Hi, everybody. Welcome back to WSC Passport Playlist. I am DJ Audio Voyager. And I am DJ Global Spins. And today we have a very, very special guest for you. We are not going to tell you who he is, though. We will tell you he is a he. As far as I know, we haven't you know, identified pronouns or anything yet. But I'm presuming because I am like that. But, um... So, today we have a little bit of international news for you to start things off. Um, For example, in Portugal right now, they are going to open a Papa John's, which may not sound like much, (laughs) but Portugal is so close to Italy, I'm pretty sure there's going to be violent uprights about that. Yeah. I can't see that going well unless it's in an extremely touristy district. I mean... It's, it's really surprising if you ever go to Europe, the amount of American food that is there, like the horrendous, horrendous American food. Like even if you go to like Asian countries, I went to Thailand and they have KFC that is so popular. Yeah, they have KFC in New Zealand as well, which I was surprised. I don't know. Was it different for you in New Zealand? I never went to KFC in New Zealand. Well, my family made me go to KFC <laughs> in Thailand. Because I think we were, like, a few days into the trip, and, you know, my dad was oh, just yeah. like, we have to go get KFC. Of I'm course. tired of, like, spicy stuff. Because, you know, As almond should. over 40 in the States <laughs> usually have, like, heartburn. But um, Yeah, I went to McDonald's while I was, while I was in France, and uh, I was expecting something so much different yeah. than it is in the U.S., and mm-hmm. I was disappointed. Really? It's not that much different. In Thailand, It's, it's nicer food, I guess. different. Really? They give you so much meat. I don't know how much meat they think Americans consume. I mean, I know we consume a lot, but they didn't have mashed potatoes or, like, mac and cheese or, like, any kind of sides. It was basically just meat and, like, I don't know, this really weird, like, cheesy quiche thing so that I tried, strange. but it was sweet. Also, huh. the pizza in New Zealand is way... Or not New Zealand. <laughs> it's okay. Country. It's been a also. day, you guys. It has been a long day. It's no fine. Worries. But um, in Thailand, the pizza is sweeter than it is in the U.S., which Strange. I was not expecting. And so are their potato chips. Yeah, they always... I mean, all my international friends talk about how the U.S. just has everything sweeter, especially yeah. our bread, which I completely yeah. agree with. Bread is better everywhere. Not everywhere here. else. Everywhere else in the world, like most food. I absolutely agree. But, yeah. I did get to go to France one time, and it was such good bread. So good. It was such very okay. good. Okay. Um, I will follow up with that with our next news. Um, so, kind of devastating, but a massive earthquake um, rocked northeast Pakistan today, and, um, yeah, it killed dozens and injured more than 300 people. So, um, Dang. yeah, pretty crazy. We don't really experience many earthquakes here in the States, or at least here in South Carolina. Um, yeah, we had three when I was in New Zealand, and I I don't know. They're kind of normal in other countries, I think, but mm-hmm. just us hearing about an earthquake is, yeah. is quite strange. Yeah, at least on, like, our side of the United States, yeah. you know. South Carolina is kind of one of those lucky ones where, like, yeah, we do get hit by, like, the occasional hurricane, quote-unquote. Yeah. You know, haven't. It's more like a gentle breeze with yeah. a nice little mist. But, um, by, but at least by the time it gets here. Yeah. Not Charleston. But we're pretty lucky to can not. be pretty. They can yeah. be pretty bad. Pretty, this one was very bad. Um, I think we're, we're pretty luckily positioned. We yeah. usually don't get too bad of a brunt, at least right here. Yeah, for sure. 
but um, yeah, New Zealand is on the the line mm. where it where the plane shifts, yeah. and so they have like several earthquakes really per sucks. year. God. Yeah, it's bad. Well, um, speaking of natural disasters, uh, there was one currently or recently in Bolivia on the twenty fourth. So yesterday, um, the burning of the forest of the Amazon rainforest is spreading from Brazil to Bolivia, um, which is really obviously not good um, because everybody credits like Brazil with having the Amazon rainforest and it does have the majority of it, but it does spread on into other countries. Yeah. Um, But now that it's become kind of an international issue, it's like affecting multiple countries now, multiple countries territory. Bolivia's president, Evo Morales, has to kind of, you know, make a decision on what he's going to do about it, how he's going to act, and how that's going to, you know, affect relations with Brazil. Because obviously the Brazilian president has, for lack of a better word, been a little bit shady about the whole thing. Um, He hasn't really done a whole lot to really try to prevent the fires or stop the fires or acknowledge that the fires are even happening. That's insane. Yeah, it definitely is. Yeah, it's... It's hard to hear about that kind of stuff because, I don't know, I don't really think of the Amazon rainforest often, <laughs> like most things. But, um, yeah, when you hear about, like, the the impact that it has on our environment and the food that we get, it's, mm-hmm. you know, you see. Even the medicine. Yeah, exactly. Um, okay. As for... Um, dang it. I was trying to pull up another article from the New York Times, but... They don't caught me. I've been looking at too many articles for <laughs> by them for free. Yeah. And they're just like, mm, give us your money. And I'm like, mm, I don't have any. But uh, it's okay because I remember about the article from Lovely. what I read. Um, basically, uh, Thailand is kind of known for having like a lot of wild animals, a lot of elephants, a lot of tigers. Um, and a lot of these places that offer the opportunity to be able to see these animals and like, you know, touch these animals, sometimes even ride them, take photos. Uh don't treat the animals with the respect that they deserve. Um, some of them do, obviously, especially the ones that are, you know, rung by uh, Buddhist monks are typically very good. But there was actually a tiger zoo recently shut down and three monks were arrested because they were uh, doing a scheme and they were really mistreating their animals. I obviously can't get to the details because the New York Times is trying to take my money. But... Um, yeah, that's actually kind of, like, disappointing is, you know, you expect people, like, religious figures to be a little bit better than that. And maybe the majority of them are, but that's really sad that you can't even depend on the monks now yeah. to treat animals with kindness, especially in a religion that focuses so heavily on, like, karma and what you reap is what you sow, um, being kind to other uh, people, other animals in order to, you know, pass along the good in the world and get the good passed back to you. Yeah, that's very sad. Mm-hmm. All right. I'll follow that up. Um, so there was a 16-year-old Swedish environmentalist activist. Uh, environmental activist. I'm so sorry. Good old Greta. Named Greta, yes. <laughs> and she was named one of the 2019 Right Livelihood Award winners. Um, So it's, yeah, so it's called the Alternative Nobel Prize. Um, But pretty sick that a 16-year-old's doing that. I know that even now I'm a bit, I don't, not afraid, but I'm 
more hesitant to speak up for things if I don't know mm-hmm. I, if you're young you don't think that people listen so yeah. it's cool that a 16 year old is mm-hmm. you know just going after it so and I was actually uh, looking at a video that my French professor posted because um, we read a lot of current events and a lot of news in that class about Greta and she's really young not to mention the fact that she's actually uh she actually has Asperger's really yeah at least I recently uh read that she does have Asperger's maybe she's kind of kept it under wraps she's uh probably pretty highly functioning but the interesting thing about her is that this isn't like a new thing for her you know she's been out and she's been doing a lot of activism since she was really young like five six years old and just to see that kind of ambition in a uh, young person, this, that kind of passion. Yeah. Like, I think I'm doing good, but I suppose not. Because yeah. <laughs> it's just interesting. When I was five and six, like, I think my mom told me a story about I ate sparkly cat litter. I mean, it was clean, <laughs> but like, oh my I don't know. I was kind of stupid. Yeah. And then she's out here, like, partaking in environmental activism. That's incredible. And I, th- I think it's cool that... We can read about it here in the U.S. because yeah. we, I don't know if many people here know, but we are very far behind yeah. on our global impact. Uh, yeah. Yeah, we're just, yeah. yeah, I when I, like, everywhere I travel, mm-hmm. recycling is just so much So commonplace. Prevalent. Yeah, and compost bins are so much more common. Yeah. It's just, yeah. And then, like, as a country, we do leave such a big mark, and then for us to not know the kind of mark that we're leaving and to assume that everybody else is doing the same thing as us. Definitely. And we're such a massive country. Yeah. Like geographically. Exactly. Just so huge. Yeah. So the the impact that we're making is pretty, Mm -hmm. and we don't really seem to realize that, but, um, do you have any other pieces of news? I don't. I am all out as well. Lovely. So with that, we are going to get into the playlist that our lovely guest has picked for us. Um, I will give you like little bits of tidbits of information about him. He was born in the UK, is currently a professor in the Netherlands, and is here with us today. So Thank exciting. you for flying in. <laughs> he actually had to um, make a flight right before our show happened. So we really appreciate him, you know, boogieing on over here real fast. Very sorry for any stress we may have caused to him. But um, so far from what I've seen, when I was uh, putting together, like, the list of songs, he has very good music play, uh, taste because it's a lot of, like, classic rock and punk rock. And if y'all don't know, personally, that is very much my taste. So I'm very excited to get into this playlist. I'm probably going to end up adding a lot of this to my personal playlist. So with that, we are going to jump into X Lion Tamer by Wire. Uh, hey, Jer. Joe. Hey, Jer. I can't speak. Again, it has been a day. Hey, Joe, Where You Want to Go by The Birds, Plastic Factory by The Beef Hearts, and Final Solution by Per Ubu. Keep it locked. Hello, and welcome back to Passport Playlist. I'm DJ Global Spins, and we are here with our lovely guest, if you want to introduce yourself. Yeah, my name is Giles Scott-Smith. Great English name. Lovely, a beautiful English name. So, where are you from? <laughs> you want to elaborate? Uh, yeah, I'm originally from Oxford, or better said, the Oxfordshire countryside. And um, for the last 23 years, I've been in the Netherlands. Lovely. I would love to go to the Netherlands. It's definitely on my list. It's very flat. 
I love that. <laughs> it's good for cycling. One O, I have definitely heard that. That cycling is massive there. Mm. Um, okay, so where do you work? If you want to explain to us a little bit about your exact job um, in the Netherlands. Yeah, sure. Firstly, I'd like to say it was so much fun to send in a playlist to your wonderful radio station. Um, a real privilege to kind of have a whole lineup of songs. Uh, I'd love to play live, so thank oh, you very wonderful. much for that to the to the radio station. Yes, um, we have loved them. And what do I do? Yeah, I'm a, I'm a historian, um, history professor in the Netherlands, and uh, I work at a wonderful old university called Leiden. Okay. And Leiden, I think, can claim to be incredibly old. I should know how old it is. In fact, I do know how old it is <laughs> because... It's now celebrating its 444th year of existence. Oh, my goodness. In 2019. So it goes back, way back to 15 or something. That is quite um, old for here. Yeah, yeah. Everything in America old. is quite new compared to the rest of the world. So Yeah. Yes. Uh, so that's, it's not the oldest, of course. Um, the Italians and the Germans, I think, can, uh, can be older than us. But, um, yeah, it's a pretty good place. And, um, yeah, what else can I tell you? Hmm. Let's think. Okay. How did you start to teach history or become a historian? Uh, that's easy. Um, I trained in international relations. Okay. And I hate to say this to all of you who study international relations out there, <laughs> but I reached the point where I found the theory really abstract and rather boring. Oh. Um, apologies, like I say, to all you social <laughs> scientists and pulse people. But um, I just found it too... Um, distanced from uh, everyday life, from human experience. And if there is one subject where you can really get into human experience, it's history. So mm. that kind of drew me over to, um, yeah, going back into the past. And that was really my PhD. That was a crossover IR, using IR theory to study history. Uh, you're very brave if you want to do that, but if it does work, it's, it's kind of interesting. And after that, I got into the Cold War and uh, started studying um, what the intelligence services were doing, uh, a bit of CIA stuff. And um, I've continued in that vein ever since, really. Wow. That's so interesting. So what is your favorite part of history to read or research about? Uh, Last couple of days, my favorite part of history. (laughs) Yeah, but no, I think on a scholarly basis... Um, yeah, like I say, Cold War is um, what I find really interesting about that is, uh, you know, with all respect for your generation, what is the Cold War? I mean, who, you know, who cares about the Cold War? Um, so really kind of bringing across that it was a really significant part of recent history. That, uh, and I thought about this when I was teaching my, my uh, class in the Netherlands. If you want to teach them about... Uh, World War Two, you know, the Dutch countryside is littered with these big concrete bunkers from the oh, Atlantic Wall. Wow. Uh, they're still there. Uh, if you want to teach them about World War One, you go down to Belgium and you look at the trenches. It's still there, still very visible. If you want to teach a class about the Cold War, where do you go? It's, you know, what's visible about the Cold War? You can go to mm. Berlin, uh, look at the remains of the wall, but apart from that, it's hard to think... Uh, what to show about the Cold War that makes it kind of alive yeah, for someone so. today. So uh, that makes it very challenging. Hmm. Yeah, That's interesting. So 
what I don't know how to phrase this. Um, which year of schooling do you normally teach? Like what age, I guess? Yeah. Um, uh, bachelors, would you okay. use that? Yeah, yes. undergrads. Okay, yeah. gotcha. Um, and also some master's teaching. Oh, wonderful. Uh, you have master's here? We do. Yeah, you do, yes, right. So do. people in Europe would generally do a one or maybe two-year master's. Okay, wonderful. And I teach on the American Studies program. Okay, yes. wonderful. Yes, so great. Uh, uh, do some interesting stuff there. That's yeah. great. So yeah. how long ago did you move to the Netherlands? And why? Ah, okay. Easy <laughs> one, too. Yeah, 23 years ago, 1996, uh, February. Um, something like February the 1st, I think. Um, and I went there because of my wife. My wife is Dutch. Lovely. And, um, yes, you know how it is with relationships. If you're in different countries at some point. Someone's got to move. Definitely. Otherwise, and you fell for it. <laughs> I did. Well, uh, I got the short straw because um, she was working and I was uh, uh, a PhD student. So I yes. was more <laughs> able to move than she was. So that's the way it goes. How did your family react to the move? Oh, um, interesting question. Uh, I can't really remember. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I guess they thought it was um, a respectable thing to do. Good. Yeah, that's. Uh, uh, I think what I would add to that that they probably didn't think it was going to be permanent. Mm. Okay. So I think as the years rolled by, they probably expected me us to move back to the UK, and I think the it's only just dawning on them now after 23 years that's probably ain't gonna happen <laughs> so yeah, i'm i'm in a similar boat because i am quite sure that i will move to some place in europe uh, and i've been spending my summers overseas recently and so i'm trying to accustom my parents to having me away um good luck with that yeah. yes yeah. so i'm i'm a bit i don't know my mom keeps saying things like oh, you know, we would just love the same opportunity that your grandparents had with you, with your kids. And, you know, I I want that as well. But um, No, go yeah. for it. I hope it works out. Thank you. Mm. But, yeah, it's it's a complicated thing to try to tell your family. Yeah. You know. Can be. But that's yeah. so neat. So how did you meet your wife? At college. Wonderful. Oh, yes. <laughs> Classic story. We were in the same class. Uh, international relations class. That was when international relations was Aww, good. Ah, so there is yeah. a reason that you were yeah. studying that. Yes, yeah, there was. <laughs> yeah, um, and after that, um, I thought, no, don't want to do it anymore. But um, yeah, it was international relations in a place called Brighton. Oh, okay, on the yes. south coast of England. I have heard of Brighton. Um, Brighton University of Sussex. Ah, oh, yes, nice place. Definitely. Yeah. Oh wow. Well, yeah. that's wonderful. What did she study, and what does she do now? She, yeah, she um, was also doing international relations. We were on the same uh, master's program. Mm. Um, but her expertise is languages. Oh, wonderful. She teaches Dutch. And she's also um, become an expert in, in study skills. Now, you probably have. Wow. Uh, would you have that, that kind of uh, support systems for students? We do have yeah. something similar. Right. We have SI sessions, so that's mm -hmm. supplemental instruction, and we have tutoring and stuff. But so yeah. 
yeah, she would do the kind of the the living environment, if you like. So, okay. um, making sure that people uh, don't get overstressed, making sure that they can kind of organize their studies, free time, and that there's someone at the university to take care of that, mm. if so that to make sure uh, students don't get lost, you know. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. So um, that's become increasingly important. Definitely. So she mixes that with uh, teaching Dutch. Oh, that's very neat. Okay, so we'll get into a bit of politics now, if you okay. don't, if you don't okay. mind. I'm ready. Um, yeah. So our next question is, how do you think Brexit might affect your line of work? Yeah, okay, cut if to the next at song. All. <laughs> no. um, well, I'm very fortunate. Um, the best piece of advice I got was about 15 years ago when a Dutch friend of mine said, Giles, um, I'm just going to say this uh, get your Dutch passport now and the reason he said that was that Dutch politics was changing and he felt there was already a bit of a uh, a nationalistic um, strain coming through in Dutch politics and he thought it would be much harder to um, to stay as a foreigner so I did and that like I say that solved a lot of trouble because now uh, I have my Dutch passport. I'm a Dutch citizen, and effectively, Brexit doesn't affect me. Wow! So I'm very fortunate. There are other British colleagues who don't have that paperwork done yet, and they have to get it done now. That's wonderful. You know, that's actually kind of surprising because whenever you think of like the Netherlands, you don't really think like heaps of nationalism. You think of that with American politics and with other European countries, but not really the Netherlands. That's a very, uh, very smart comment, um, and for many years it was like that. Mm-hmm. And one of the uh, noticeable trends is, is um, it's happening all across Europe, you know. The, the nationalist populist politics is uh, perhaps not as raw as in the United mm-hmm. States, but it's, it's pretty raw, and the Netherlands has some of that as much as other countries. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's mm. true. Last 20 years, really, 15, 20 years. Oh, that's interesting. Well, can you give us like a little bit of a rundown on like what it's like to have family members in the UK being affected by Brexit? Um, just a little bit of an inside scoop for us Americans who we only really hear kind of very biased um, pieces from like major news sources. Um, well, okay, if I tell you that um, my brother and father voted to leave the European Union, uh, <laughs> I think I give you a sense of how how close it comes to uh, the family. Mm. Neither of them are particularly political people, so it's not as if we have big uh, family debates over the breakfast table. No, in fact, it hardly ever gets a mention. It's kind of weird. <laughs> so... Um, it does, yeah, it is there. Uh, but it's, certainly for me, I mean, just to say it briefly, uh, to be very honest, um, Brexit has made me more Dutch. Oh. Yeah, because it's such a mess. I totally understand that. I mean, really? some things that happen here in America, mm. like, I'm, yep, I'm about ready to head on out. You want to you become French? Exactly. I do want to become French. <laughs> okay, good luck. Yeah. 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 Well, it's good that Brexit hasn't really impacted the relationship that you have with your family members. That's... 
Yeah, that's it, it's okay. I I remain the kind of the exotic one who moved abroad. <laughs> and um, that's me. <laughs> and, um, they kind of tolerate that. <laughs> I understand. <laughs> On that note, I would actually like to add that my brother uh, stole my thunder with the fact that he moved to Thailand before I could move, and I study three different languages, and so I'm definitely wanting to move. But now I'm the only child in this hemisphere. So, y'all exotic ones are making it harder for the younger siblings. I'm just going to say that. <laughs> okay, I hope that works out all right. <laughs> yes, my my family is, is very much... Well, I, okay, so I have twin sisters who are both 22. My brother is 21, and I'm almost 20 um, next week. Wow. Uh, Congratulations. So, thank you. But... So, so we're all quite close in age and my sisters both want to live in my hometown and my brother wants to live um probably further west but still in the United States and then I'm very much not that I don't love it here and I'm so glad that I grew up here and I'm so close to my family we just love each other but um yeah my heart isn't here and I I've been to several places that felt more like home than this does and so I know that I'm my heart is elsewhere and that's all right. But um yeah, so it's definitely funny hearing people say say things like, Oh, you're you're the lever or <laughs> you're the traveler or whatever yeah. which is yeah, yeah, it's interesting to hear. Yeah. They they get used to you not being around. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> all right. Well we're gonna get back to your lovely playlist. Um so next we're gonna have split part three. The 2003 remastered version of the by exactly yes. look at Wonderful. you knowing things um <laughs> the next is louie louie by flaming groovin great band flaming groovies um and then we have lost and found uh, the 2004 remastered version by the saints. the saints all right and we are going to get to it um this is passport playlist keep it locked Hi, everybody. Welcome back to Passport Playlist. I actually just looked at the time, and I made everybody hurry and shush because we were about to go back on air, but I just realized that it is PSA time. Yay! Everybody's favorite time. So I'm actually going to turn y'all back off again, and I'm going to play some PSAs, one about getting your flu shot. For the love of God, please go get your flu shot. It's for everybody. Just please do it. All right, just remember to keep it locked on WSE and HD1 Columbia and get your flu shot. There are lots of ways your family can avoid the flu. Like moving to a distant island for the entire flu season. But the best way is to get your family vaccinated against flu. Flu can be serious for everyone, even really healthy people. Young kids and older people are especially at risk. So is anyone with a health condition like asthma or diabetes. That's why everyone six months and older should get a flu vaccine every year. It's easy. A lot easier than moving to a distant island. Find a nearby place to get vaccinated at flu.gov. Brought to you by HHS.
You secure your home, you lock your car. But what do you do to protect your valuables at work? In times like these, crime can happen anywhere, at any time. Taking some simple preventive measures in your workplace can help cut down on theft, scams, and even physical assault. Keep your purse, wallet, and keys locked in a drawer or closet. Leaving your valuables unattended for even a few moments could create an opportunity for a thief. Visitors should be made to check in at your front desk, wear a name badge, and be escorted to their destination. Unidentified persons in your workplace should be reported immediately. Report faulty locks, broken windows, and burned out lights. Use caution when entering stairwells, restrooms, elevators, and parking garages. If you notice an employee acting irrationally, tell your employer. To learn more on how to keep your workplace safe, visit ncpc.org. That's ncpc.org. Crime prevention at work. It works. A message from the U.S. Department of Justice, National Crime Prevention Council, and the Ad Council. All right, everybody, welcome back to Passport Playlist. This time it's for real, and I'm not going to dump more PSAs on y'all. We are back with our lovely guests. If you guys haven't heard before or if y'all are still tuning in, um, Giles Scott Smith, the doctor, but not actually a doctor, but like the Ph.D. Um, So he, if you guys have not heard, is from the U.K., but teaches in the Netherlands because he followed his love there. And it was what you've been there for 23 years now. Is that what you said? That's right. 23 years. Counting. Yeah. Wow. That's that's really nice. Have you lived in a bunch of different places in the Netherlands or just um, the one? Two. Ooh, two. Uh, Amsterdam. No, three. Sorry. Ooh. Amsterdam, uh, a small place uh, called, you'll like this, it was called Barn. Mm, Barn. Yeah, we lived in Barn. Um, and now we live in a place called Middleburg, which is Aww. what it sounds like. It's in the middle yeah. of what used to be an island. You know what that sounds like? That sounds like the name of a city in the Midwest that is, like, not a very big town, but it's not a very small town because it's very, very middle. Um, and it sounds like, you know, what would be on a sitcom in America. Yeah. yeah. Just be like, these are, like, the m- middle boroughs from Middleburg. That's exactly you know? right. It's kind of from, from average town. Yeah. Yeah. But That's kind of cool. It's Middleburg, yeah. No, it's a nice place. And we were in, uh, did I say that? We were in Amsterdam yeah. as well. Well, Amsterdam is very cool. Did you live there first? Was that kind of like That's the right. youthful, like really fun, <laughs> like going um, crazy? Yeah, and then get mature and have a family and move away. Almost, yeah. almost fits that. Yes, almost. I have to say. Um, but I will say, uh, Amsterdam. You know, to be honest, it's not really my town. Not your cup of tea. No, not really. No. Um, it's very uh, Amsterdam. Amsterdam has an attitude. Mm-hmm. Like you know, if you go to New York, you might feel. New Yorkers have an attitude. Yeah. Well, Amsterdamers have an attitude. And, really? Uh, I didn't really like that. Yeah? Yeah. They just think they're so cool. They ruffled yeah. your feathers a little bit. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Perhaps yeah, so a touch. Yeah, just a time to uh, time to go to a smaller town and more relaxed. Yeah, definitely understandable. But before you moved to the Netherlands, or even after, um, what other countries have you visited? Oh, um, well, I suppose the biggest experience for me was uh, going to Australia mm-hmm. uh, when I was 18. Mm-hmm. And I went on a rotary exchange. Mm-hmm. And that had that had a big impact. Um, we were talking earlier about travel and how that can uh, change your uh, view of life. Yeah. And it, it had a big impact on me. I think I went back twice uh, within four years. So... 
uh, I was very very keen to kind of get back into that whole Australian lifestyle but um, beyond that not that much yeah. uh, North America Europe but uh, haven't really ventured to Latin America or mm-hmm. uh, uh, Asia uh, hardly at all so well, you know once you fly to Australia from really any point in the world I think that's probably the longest flight you can have and probably yeah. you want it to be your last flight <laughs> oh yeah New Zealand might be longer actually I don't know really yeah. um, but the thing I noticed about Australia and you don't realize this from the map but when you're flying especially when you're flying out of Australia from the east coast Sydney mm-hmm. Melbourne the first you know you're on a 20 21 hour flight the first three four hours is mm-hmm. just desert and you realize, yeah. oh, wow, this place is enormous. Yeah. So almost a fifth or a quarter, mm-hmm. a quarter of your entire journey is Australia. Yeah. It's just vast. So that was a big realization. Yeah, I wasn't, I didn't know about Australia until I made friends from there. And they told me that every single person lives on the coast. And I had no idea about that. Literally, the whole center is just empty, which is crazy. That's right. It's just sand. Well, you know, yeah. save for the enormous animals slash bugs slash creatures from, you know, H-E double hockey sticks. Because we can't say H-E double hockey sticks on air. <laughs> uh, okay. I don't know what that was about, but I'm sure it was important. <laughs> yeah. You've never heard that stereotype of of Australians in Australia? H-W? H, uh, H-E double hockey sticks. No. No, yeah. I don't know that at all. Yeah, you've never heard that? That, like, no. all the animals there are bigger and scarier and more dangerous. So they, well, yeah, they do have pretty vicious snakes and spiders. That's true. Yeah, God, yeah. I couldn't take it, but yeah. Whenever Americans hear Australia, that's the immediate impact. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. yeah, I can see that. Yeah. Uh, but I guess well, I survived. Yeah, you survived. <laughs> yeah, the majority of yeah. people have so far. Yeah. Man, I just I know it's hot here, but I feel do you, I don't know. Would it be hot there? Because it's yeah, oh, it's yeah. hard to say because it's, hot. it's yeah. pretty far, you know, towards the south. But it, I, I can't take it. It's hard enough for me to live here. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's southern hemisphere, so Christmas yeah. is a uh, hot day. Yeah. You have oh. Christmas on the beach. Man, oh, yeah. I couldn't take it. I absolutely could not. But so you've really been to a lot of, like, English-speaking countries, save for the Netherlands. And, yeah, and the rest of Europe, yeah. And Oh, That's you've right. been to the rest of Europe? Um, most of it. Oh, well, that's really cool because mm. for Americans, like I think for us, the majority of what we do is just go to Canada or like Mexico, and that's considered like really exotic. But a lot of you go to Europe, right? And uh, and and uh, across the Pacific. If you're lucky, no? yeah. you do. Okay. If you know you have, if you're a little bit more affluent, you mm-hmm. get the chance. Yeah, it's, but, it's um, not cheap. Yeah, as for the majority, mm. it's considered like really cool to be able to go to right. Europe. It's just like, oh my goodness, she's so classy. Right. Yeah, I think there are like two types of families, one that goes to Mexico every year and then one that goes to Europe. And the European families are more travel oriented and know more about the world. And then others just go for fun. Yeah. Okay. Um, But uh, so you have been to America a few times. Yes. Oh, yes. Yes. More than a few times. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) Well. What is your favorite and least favorite state? Don't oh. be afraid to at people. It's uh, fine. That's really hard. 
that's very hard because um, there's a lot of states I haven't seen. Yeah. So least favorite would be really unfair. Yeah. I'd probably have to pick a state that I haven't been to. Yeah. Uh, okay, can I? I'll name a state. I'm not a great fan of Florida. Nobody is. Really? Okay, so I'm, <laughs> I'm in the majority there, hopefully. Yeah, every um, time we ask somebody what their least favorite state is, they're like, I don't want to be mean, but, you know, yeah. Florida. Okay. <laughs> Americans uh, don't like Florida either. Interesting. That's why they all go to retire there then. Yeah. I know. I don't understand it. Uh, I think it's, golf it's courses or something mainly... There. Yeah, like okay. what we call snowbirds. Like they are uh, from the okay, north, so yeah, yeah, people like Florida because it's warm mm. all the time, but also mm. so many swamps, and you can you can just get lost there, and then things will go back. There, are, you know, crocodiles everywhere. That's right. Yeah, it didn't didn't really appeal to me. No. Um, favorite? That's a hard one. Um, I uh, when I was fourteen, my parents mm-hmm. took me to the west coast. So I was yeah. very fortunate to see uh, parts out there, and, and it's interesting. I would, I would say somewhere like Oregon was really appealing. Mm-hmm. I feel I, like, I like wide open spaces. Yeah. Well, did you get to see a lot of mountains and stuff? Some, yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I've heard they have some lovely mountains, and I definitely want to go there just for that. Definitely, and also the the desert areas. That's mm-hmm. really special. I mean, I know it's hot and dry, and like Arizona. Uh, yeah. 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 Um, and around we went i remember we went through las vegas which was mind-blowing yeah <laughs> age, age 14 being a real english kid uh las vegas was just like another planet like, <laughs> like blade runner you know it was like something completely bizarre um did you see an elvis impersonator uh, yeah multiple i mean they're all they're on every street <laughs> corner you can't get away from them yeah uh, any good ones um I think they're all they're all equally bad, aren't they? And I don't I don't think it's possible to be a good Elvis impersonator. I think you've got to be bad. Yeah. I think you've got to be as cheesy as possible. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yes, that sums up Las Vegas, really. <laughs> Very strange place. I wonder how one comes into the profession of being an Elvis. Being an Elvis, but you've I, well, when you've ticked off everything else. <laughs> Uh, you yeah. get down to that. That's that's it. I guess. I know. I don't want to imagine be bad to the good. Uh, imagine going on like a Tinder date or like a blind date, and then just being like, "So, like, wh- what do you do for a living?" Oh, I'm a I'm a Elvis impersonator. Oh, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm just like, I'm, I'm going to go to the bathroom because you know Sarah has left the building. But <laughs> but I guess if you you know, I guess they get a lot of bookings. Yeah, they must. I, I hope they do. I mean, knowing me, I would. Yeah. Yeah, just because I love that. That was a pretty good. Uh huh. Actually. Mm, thank yeah, you. Yeah. So you I could you could maybe do it. You know what it is? I eat a lot of peanut butter and banana sandwiches, like Elvis. So ah, yeah. I think and, it's that. Uh, and hamburgers? Wasn't he into hamburgers? He had like some, had some weird p- thing he had with hamburgers. Yeah. He had like yeah. peanut butter hamburgers or something like yeah. that. I'll have to look it up. Right. But speaking of weird food. What American food have you tried that you enjoy? Uh, I'll eat everything. So um, there's one thing I really struggle with. Mm-hmm. And that's grits. Oh, really? I don't get grits. <laughs> yeah. Did they like it? No. no. Were they British? Yeah, you see. Uh, we Brits don't get grits. My oh. friends Brits said don't get it. Grits. My, <laughs> I have quite a few British friends this semester, and they said that it tastes like porridge. Yeah. Oh. That's exactly it. Well, you know. It's really strange, and uh, and then with sausage and what what 
You marmalade. Marmalade. What? Oh, yeah, I was in a bad cafe. Sorry, but. Oh yeah. my goodness. <laughs> That's not. I took them to Cracker Barrel this oh. past weekend, oh, which gracious. is a very, very southern oh, restaurant. So southern. And uh, we went there and they loved the food, but they hated grits. So Yeah. What mm. you're supposed to do with grits. I don't know if this is what you were served. I've never heard of anybody doing it with marmalade. First off, I don't e- I don't even know if marmalade actually exists in South Carolina. It's mainly just like jam and jelly and preserves. I, I told you it was a bad cafe. Don't I don't know what they were doing. Yeah, yeah. y'all don't say jelly. That is do. one thing. Yeah, you don't say jelly. <laughs> jelly is jello for our viewers or for our listeners. Yeah. Yes. So our, you don't, you don't say jelly for jam, right? Sure, yeah. Yeah? Oh, yeah. You don't. F- fruit jelly? You do. Oh. Ooh. Well, in New Zealand. With jam and jelly, yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, in New Zealand, and I thought it was in England as well, but whenever you say jelly, they think of jello. So there are two different things in New Zealand. So when I would say, oh, do you want jelly on your toast? They thought that was going to put, like, the wibbly-wobbly stuff on their toast. You know what? That would be an interesting breakfast. But, yeah. So if they did say marmalade, if that was on the menu, I think, Um, first off, you had a bad experience. Quite likely I got it completely mixed up. I don't know. Did you ever have uh, grits with butter and salt and cheese? Um... That's how I it's supposed to be. Really? With that and bacon sometimes, if you like bacon. You know, I just need some guidance on southern food. Yeah, sometimes I, yeah. people, they really take you for all you got if you don't know what it's actually supposed to be. If you don't have somebody there to guide you. That's right, yes. To kind of whack away the weirdos. Yeah. I don't know what cafe you went to. It was in New Orleans, I remember that. Oh, they might do things a little bit different uh, there. They I might do, yeah, yeah. They get a little funky. The French influence, I think. Perhaps. Yeah. Instead of marmalade, it could have been like a Yeah, the French, uh, you want marmalade? I don't know. Yeah, Yeah. marmalade. Yeah. But I think they usually say like confiture, I think, for jam. Oh, that's jam, isn't it? Yeah, Yeah. I do believe. Yeah. But I don't know. Maybe they say both. But so you'll try everything, but your least favorite is definitely grits. Yeah, I draw the line at grits. Um, I'm not a great fast food eater. Yeah. You know, I do like my my whole foods, my my veg and fruit. Yeah. So uh, I do. I always when I come over here, I always after a week, yeah. I'm thinking, oh yeah, yeah, I do notice the American food. You've got to acquire yeah. that iron stomach, right? To be able yeah. to you know drive while yeah eating all the greasy stuff. Uh, I, and I'm a big fan of curry. Oh, I love curry. Uh, is there good curry in uh, Colombia? Curry houses? No, no. but <laughs> um, I do have some friends who make it who aren't from like America, so that's good. But my goodness, y'all, when I tell you my roommate, God bless him. Oh, that's another thing about the South. If somebody says, bless your heart, it sounds nice, but it's a little bit. It's like, oh. Is that, that's you, not an insult, is it? It's it's underhanded. It's more like, you're not the smartest right now, but you know what you're trying. Ah, I see. He, okay, um, I'll probably get that a lot then the next couple of days. <laughs> yeah. So if somebody says that, try to scoot on out as fast as possible, okay. but. He he was so excited to try to make curry one night. He was so excited, y'all. He was ready. He had it on the calendar in the apartment. But the thing is, when he made curry, he didn't buy, like, those curry tablets you're supposed to use to make a paste. Tablets? Yeah, they're kind of okay. like you break them off in a bar like a chocolate bar. but oh, like shrimp paste or something? Kind of, yeah. Okay. And stuff. So, yeah. It's supposed to be, you know, actually gives it a curry flavor, you know, um... But so he decides he doesn't want to do that. So basically what he does is he makes this curry that he just, he browns some chicken and he puts in coconut water 
or coconut milk, my bad. And then like a little bit of seasoning. And when I say a little bit, I mean a little bit. But he has the gall to call me into the kitchen and say, hey, Sarah, you want to taste test this? And I said, sure, I'm so excited. And then I eat it and it tastes like nothing. And I don't know how to tell him that. But he goes, I hope it doesn't like taste too spicy or too sweet or anything. I tried to make it very flavor neutral. That's how I like it. Flavor like, neutral? Flavor neutral is flavor the neutral newest curry? way. <laughs> I, I, that's, that's a disaster. It's a really unique way to say boring and bland, though. I've, I've never seen a flavor neutral curry in a restaurant. Well, you It know wouldn't what? sell well. Come to my apartment, man. We will find yeah. you some flavor neutral curry. No, like, I'm, I, I could be up for that. That's that I'd like to see what he does. <laughs> It Amazing. was, and the best part was he tried to make rice with it, but he had never made rice before. The instructions are on the box, on the back of the box, and the boy didn't even follow them. Like, he didn't follow the instructions for how much water to put in. He just kind of eyeballed it. So by the time the rice was done cooking, about half the pot was still full of water. So we had to strain out the rest of the water. But the thing is, our colander has holes that are way too big for rice to like be caught through. So we had to put a towel down first in the colander to try to like, save all the rice. I think I have some advice. Get, it, get another flatmate. <sighs> get someone else who can cook curry. I've just decided, like, me and, and my other respect, friends, we cook more yeah. often than him now. Yeah. We're just, he's like, can I cook, guys? And we're just like... You can cook, but I, th- I think I, you know, have like a but date no that curry. night. I think I, you know, I think I'm going out. I think I'm going to, you know. No flavor neutral curry, please. Yeah, no flavor neutral. Yeah. But yeah. he tried so hard. It was so sweet. But um, so what brings you all the way to Columbia, South Carolina? Ah, well, I was in the United States anyway. I've been in New York, uh, Washington, D.C., a bit mm-hmm. of an archive trip. Oh. So doing some research, uh, interviewing a couple of interesting folks. And uh, my good friends on USC uh, campus, uh, Dr. David Snyder, mm-hmm. came up with a wonderful plan. Uh, how about you come by yeah. uh, USC on your on your tour? And I thought, uh, I'd love to come by. So here I am mm-hmm. for a couple of days. I'm very glad. Is this your first time on campus? It is, yeah. First time South Carolina. Really? Wow. Well, you did tell me immediately that the first thing that greeted you was the heat. Yeah, I was impressed by the heat. Yeah. Um, I mean, uh, D.C. this morning was about 10 degrees cooler. Yeah, a lot of people say um, Columbia is the worst part of South Carolina for the heat, too. Okay. Because technically, geographically, we're in like a bowl. Ah, so it just sits there. So it just sits there. So it's going to be like this for the next three days. <laughs> for longer <laughs> than three days, quite frankly. Okay. <laughs> but okay. we did have a nice little break, which was good. But um, Well, I, I always wear a jacket, so I, it's a mistake, right? Yeah. You can't wear I don't see anyone with a jacket. Yeah. So I'm going to stick out. I was always getting funny looks when I walked onto the campus. Yeah. Like, oh, look at that weird guy with a jacket. Yeah. No one wears jacket. No. no you got to take about two, three yeah. showers a day here. Right. But um, what was it? We um have, like... Christmases that are about 70 degrees usually so it feels mm. colder for us but I went up to Connecticut to visit some family this summer and it was the middle of the summer mm-hmm. or at least for us and I had to wear a jacket during okay. the middle that's of the day that's my kind of state that's your kind yeah, of state you can wear a jacket then that's good you could totally go there yeah. now and you'd be yeah. great there's like a jacket line where you take your jacket you know when it's too hot mm-hmm. further south you get then yeah. that's, that's a problem 
Well, I'm actually considering going to Ireland to study abroad next year, oh, so then you're I fine. am <laughs> nervous about that because I hate the heat, but also mm. I know I'm just going to shut down a little bit with the cold. Ireland, yeah, yeah. and the wet. Uh, they say in Ireland, if it starts raining at the beginning of the day, it'll continue the whole day. Really? Yeah. Well, that's not bad. I don't, I don't mind rain too much. But uh, before we get into some music, uh, I've noticed with this whole uh, music selection that you're really into like classic rock, punk rock. Um, as a historian, and as like a very like proper Southern Englishman, um, what drew you to that first? Because you know, at first glance, you wouldn't guess it. Uh, yeah, that was interesting. Um, okay. Back in about 19... Let me see. I can place this exactly. Uh, 1983. Um, we had a new TV channel in the UK, right? Uh, channel 4. It just started up in 1982. 1983, they had their first anniversary of being a TV channel. And they had a 24-hour music day to celebrate. Mm-hmm. So they showed the Woodstock movie and they showed all sorts of kind of famous uh, music films. And then at three in the morning, they -hmm. showed a documentary on Jimi Hendrix. Mm -hmm. Now, I don't know why, but something caught my attention that made me stay up till 3 a.m. Because I think this was even pre-video recorders, you know, Mm -hmm. so I couldn't even record it. Um, To watch someone I'd never heard of. Mm And that documentary just blew me away. Yeah? Yeah. I was really stunned by uh, this guy and how amazing he was on guitar. Mm -hmm. And basically that was the root of checking out all, you know, 60s, 70s onwards music. Yeah. That was the the key. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Man, that's a really cool story. You know, nowadays it's all just based off of what you get on your uh, Spotify playlist. That's what Spotify tells you. you is good, which is often yeah. useful. It's but this, this was something different. Yeah. You yeah. know, nothing yeah. about what you genuinely like. It could be promoted by money. Mm-hmm. But that's a really cool way to get into things. But speaking of which, we are about to jump back into some music. First, we've got I'm a Man by the Sonics. Mm-hmm. Um, good number. Yes. we got Mushroom by Can. German band. A German band? Ooh, very nice. Um, and then Nushni by Nu? By Noi. Noi? Yeah, also a German band. Ooh, very yeah. nice. We're having a little German hour. Yeah. And Rumble by Link Ray. I think I'm excited for that one. That's a uh, um, Jimmy Page, guitarist of Led Zeppelin. That's his favorite, 45. Really? Le- Rumble by oh, Link Ray. Zeppelin. Okay, well, yeah. I'm definitely really excited for that one. So uh, keep it locked on 90.5. Hello, and welcome back to Passport Playlist with our guest, who we're super excited to have on. Um, All right, let's get into some more questions. Um, Okay, did you study abroad when you were in school? Uh, study abroad, yeah, well, yeah, that goes back to my uh, exchange experience in Australia because I oh, went yes. to high school oh. in a place called Newcastle, New South Wales. Wonderful. And the funny thing about that was I'd finished my high school in England, so uh, I'd done everything. And But the Rotary Exchange said, you've got to go to school. So I went to Australian high school with kind of nothing to do 
that so I was incredible. I was really a bad guy. I didn't, <laughs> I didn't go to class. I kind of just uh, hung out a lot and uh, had a really good time. Sounds amazing. Um, but of course, the other people who were going on exchange were maybe a year younger than me, and they had to get their grades. Oh! And they were including a couple of American uh, students who had to get their grades, and mm. so it was a very different experience. So I was very fortunate. Yeah, that's interesting. I know um, I'm not exactly sure how uni is back at home, but all of my friends who come here, they say that it's quite strange that we actually must go to class. Like, that's a part of our grade um, because here um, participation and attendance is very much a part of the grade that you grade that you get at the end of the course. And, um, yeah, it seems like overseas most people don't care, especially in Australia. I've one of my friends from Brisbane said that she did not go to one single class her whole first semester. Um, oh, dear. Because they posted all of the lectures online, so she wasn't ah, required to. That's very interesting. Yeah. the I mean, we – okay, here I put my professor hat on. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I have participation grades. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I don't know what the norm is here, but uh, I would say, you know – 10%. That's very normal here. Okay. Yeah, so that's fairly normal uh, in the Netherlands as well. Oh. But it's interesting what you say about the videoing of lectures because that, that, that is a real issue. You, you want to make the lectures accessible, but what's the, uh, what are the consequences exactly. of that? I know a lot of my professors have stopped posting their PowerPoints or anything entirely because they want people to come to class. Yeah. Yeah, I would uh, agree with them, I guess, because uh, <laughs> I think the in-class interaction is really important. Mm -hmm. And I do think, you know, it's it's the, the big debate about online education in general. Yeah, of course, you can get an education that way, but it's you're missing a big chunk. Definitely. You're missing a big chunk. So I... Uh, here, yeah, this is a big call. All, the, all you people who don't go to class, you've got to go to class. You're missing out. So that's uh, okay. End of end of broadcast. Hmm. Interesting. Okay. Um. I love to hear about this, and I'm. I know a few stereotypes that we have, but I was wondering what are some stereotypes that you have um, about Americans in the UK, and then also in the Netherlands. Oh boy. Um, okay. Is this the end of the show? Is there no? We we have about <laughs> twenty minutes left. <laughs> okay. I'm just joking. Um, <laughs> The you know what's really changed a lot. I think a while ago uh, we would have said that there would be a huge difference between British and American humour, mm. and I think that's changed a lot. I think there's been a, a huge shift in American uh, kind of sitcom humour, um, mm. and that you know the, the, the British people always think that. Uh, a lot of irony, very ironic, very understated, saying something that's funny that doesn't sound funny. Mm. And when British people meet other cultures, they often feel that the other cultures just don't understand they're being funny because it's very dry. <laughs> and I feel American humor has become very dry. Not all of it, but it has bridged the gap. Uh, mm. I used to feel in the Netherlands... Um, after you know being there for a few years that I was kind of stuck between two cultures. I was not really British anymore, but I wasn't really Dutch. And and one of the things that was very big in that was, was humour. 
did British humor cross the channel to the Netherlands. And um, the best way I can sum it up is this. The Dutch get Monty Python. I think they think Monty Python is insane. They really they think it's so crazy. They love it. But if you try and do Monty Python in everyday life, they don't get it. You know, That's so <laughs> if, you try, if you try and be as, as, as kind of nutty as Monty Python in, in your work situation, you have to be really careful because they they don't always get it. And then you're stood there looking like an idiot. So humor is, I find, one of the most interesting things to manage in a cross-cultural environment definitely I've, I've never really thought about that but my friends do say that here they're very sarcastic and okay. um a lot of americans don't understand that understand okay. their sarcasm yeah and so a lot of my friends think it's unusual that i'm quite sarcastic but i kind of play off people if someone's sarcastic i'm sarcastic back and fair enough they said they're not used to that so yeah i thought that was yeah, sarcasm, um, that can be also quite difficult because people can, can be offended. They can. <laughs> I think one yeah. of the hardest things is going in between languages oh, because yeah. being sarcastic with someone who does not have English as their native language. That's hard. Yeah. It is very difficult. Yeah. Because I, so I lived in Maxi last year and most of my friends were non-native English speakers and they, I, I would say something sarcastically and then they would just do a blank face like they, they totally did not understand exactly and i felt so bad so i kind of had to learn to take that out of my vocabulary oh that's a sa- that's sad because it i think is. humor is so personal i do too and if you can't express yourself through humor i think you lose an enormous sense of your personality so i'm, I'm sure that will don't don't lose your sarcasm I'm not no i'll keep very it. important Yes, right in the heart. <laughs> Is there any... I know a lot of people have, have food stereotypes or personality stereotypes of America. Are there any? Um, oh, my phone is ringing, but I'll leave it. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, nice. uh, stereotypes, that's interesting. Uh, there is a certain... Okay, I guess if you, if you ask the British in general, tend to find Americans loud... That's always been a thing in the past. Um, the the loud American tourists, uh, and and I think that's I think that's changing as well. Wow! I think that's that's um, I don't know if Americans are getting quieter, but <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, stereotypes beyond that, um, the classic one is of course Europe is so small to all of you. Uh. Oh, yes. So you get the the American tourists coming over and they hit five countries in four days, you know, oh, as if that that's giving it a lot of time. That's so true. Because it's all so close together. And we watch that happening and we think, oh, wow, what a pity. Because you're, exactly. you're really doing it far too quick. Um, and every country is quite different. <laughs> so yeah. it's a shame yeah. when people just pass through. Um and I, yeah, I noticed a comment earlier about Portugal being near Italy. I yeah. I have to protest. Yeah. Portugal isn't really near Italy, but it's only a minor comment. <laughs> minor comment. Um, so yeah, I think that's that's really the the main difference. Oh, very yeah. interesting. Mm. So, is there anything that you have at home? That you cannot get in the Netherlands. That you or. Yeah. Anything that you wish that you could bring to the Netherlands? 
Oh, like that from uh, from the UK, from England. Yeah, there was loads of things, uh, really important stuff like uh, marmite. Oh yes. Crumpets, mm. muffins, cheddar cheese. Um, I have to go through all the English li- cheeses: Red Leicester, Wensleydale, <laughs> uh, all of that lot. Uh, good beer. Oh yes. Yeah, I miss. I do notice. Um, American beers can be very hoppy and bitter, mm. and I like my my flat English pint, <laughs> room temperature. Do you like Dutch beer? I've heard it's quite good. Well, I mean, it's okay. They put everything in the fridge, oh. which, uh, as a British person, is unnecessary. <laughs> um, the Belgians are the ones who really have made it a fine art. Oh. But every Belgian beer is is seven percent alcohol yeah. or above, so you have to watch that. Yeah, I went to Ghent. Um, Beautiful town. It's gorgeous. That's the only place I've been in Belgium, but we spent a few days there, and I absolutely loved it. I have an opportunity to study abroad in Brussels, which is pretty up on my list. I have a bit, um, a few countries that I would just love to go to. And that's only one of them. Very nice, yeah. Brussels is underrated. Um, most people, if they go to Belgium, will go to Ghent, Bruges, mm. uh, Antwerp is also oh, quite fun. Yes. And Brussels rarely gets mentioned, but Brussels is a really interesting town. That's so, what I've heard. Yeah. I would yeah. love to go there. Mm. And I, I find Dutch, the Dutch language, fascinating. I, when I was in Ghent, I heard someone speaking it beside me, and I'd never heard Dutch before. You know... In America, we typically learn German, French, Spanish, or... I mean, Chinese is on the rise because I think that people <laughs> are now realizing that Chinese is very important to learn. But, uh, yeah, you don't really meet many people who speak Dutch. So hearing that in in Belgium was very... I don't know. I loved it. I would love to learn. Yeah, Dutch language. Uh, minority language, yes, let's be fair. Yes, definitely. Um, you have about 18 million Dutch people and the northern part of Belgium speaks their own version, which is what you heard, ah, which is Flemish, Flemish. Okay. which is a lovely sing-song version mm-hmm. of Dutch. Dutch. It's beautiful. Yeah, Dutch can be a bit kind of, it's like a softened version of German. They won't like me saying that, but <laughs> it's true. But if the further south you go into Belgium, you get this kind of Dutch-French mm. sing-song type language and that's that's really quite fun um my yeah ik spreek wel nederlands myself dus uh i do speak a bit of dutch and that's uh, mm. it's always fun so do you teach in dutch or do you teach in english no i don't <laughs> I, uh, I i dread the day well, i'll have to i probably will have to in the future but when they gave me a job they were expanding their international education so mm. a lot more non-dutch international students were coming in so the English language programs were expanding, so they gave me a job. Oh, so wow. I've managed to surf that wave for the last 10 years or so. Wow. And so I only, I only teach in English. Wonderful. Which is, is great because they love the English accent there as well. Yes. <laughs> so that well, that's helps. Wonderful. Yeah. Yes, I, I think most people do. I, I mean, especially here. Have you, yeah. have you gotten that during your several visits to America? Has anyone stopped you and said oh i love your accent yeah in <laughs> fact um at the customs they not customs the um security check in dc 
this morning. Um, one of the security guards. What? Yeah, she said something like, "Oh, um, oh, is that your bag?" And it was obviously my bag. So I said, "Yeah, that's my bag." And and she literally looked at me and said, "Oh, I love it when you English people talk." So, <laughs> <laughs> so she was just messing me around. It was quite funny. Um, but I I guess. Uh, you know, it's always the way with accents. You don't know how other people hear your own accent. That's true. So your own accent is always normal for you and very strange and funny for others. Yeah. So I think it's interesting being American. Our accent is, is so common. I mean, people watch television and, and that's movies. That's true. And then my, my friends from other places uh, think that it's so strange that people here love their accent. But we we don't often hear, I mean, unless you watch, like, the Great British Baking Show, you're, you're not really going to hear the, the English accent That's unless you search for it. Oh, it's yeah. great. That show's yeah, wonderful. That is a good show. Um, uh, and yeah. so when we hear it, mm. especially in person, mm. it's fascinating to us because we mm. don't often hear it. And it's a lot of things that we've seen in movies, like the typical British people and a lot of the things that are in movies are... Are quite true. Like my friends invite me over for tea, which is is so funny for me because I mean, yeah. we should go for coffee, but ah right, yes, here, of course, yeah. yeah, you go for tea, yeah. And of course, there's a new Downton Abbey movie, isn't there? Oh, really? I, I didn't think know so. That. Yeah, so that's that's full of uh, rock solid English accents. Amazing. Um, <laughs> yeah, and I I but I like the variety as well. Definitely. Um, there's a lot of accents. There are accents in the in England which I can't understand. Oh yeah, uh, they are so diverse yeah. in England. Yeah, very. Yeah, yeah like Newcastle mm. in the northeast, a broad Newcastle accent. I have no chance. Oh. I really don't know. <laughs> um, Where are Cockney yeah. accents? Where is Cockney that? in London, East London. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Gotcha. Um, Eastenders. Did you oh, ever get Eastenders? Yes, yeah. yeah, yeah. That's uh, okay. Kind of Cockney. Or Jamie Oliver. Have you ever heard Jamie Oliver talk? I have. Yeah, he's from the East yes. End of London. Oh, okay. Yeah. Lovely Wonderful. Japanese. <laughs> like, yeah. That's so funny. Yeah, yeah I, d- I used to do theatre, and we uh, <laughs> we would all try to get the accents down, and one of my friends can do Cockney pretty well. Oh, very good. It's her thing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> cool. Wonderful. Um, let's see. What stereotypes have you run into in your work or studies Ooh. of yourself like of the english english folk oh um gosh that's a tough one that's a tough one stereotypes of english um uh, these we often run into yeah. oh uh, when i was in france i got oh you're quite thin for an american and oh. I found that yeah surprising yeah that's uh, and that we are quite um <laughs> quite dumb is also <laughs> a very common one I get yes okay, in France yeah. I got yeah the French can be very welcoming in that way oh can't they're they? lovely yeah yes. yeah yeah <laughs> um yeah I'm struggling here I suppose I I do fall into the stereotype myself mm. when I'm with Dutch work colleagues you have to be the kind of the the deadpan humorous brit yes <laughs> um you know oh brexit oh yes yeah what a disaster ho ho um 
So, I, yeah, I suppose I do play that up a bit in the right circumstances, but not every day. Yeah. No, it's that. too much. No, just uh, I'm trying to be Dutch now. Yes, <laughs> good stuff. Well, we are going to probably end our show on some music. Um, so we have the Paw Paw. Blowtorch <laughs> by Brian Eno. Um, Mr. Evasion by The Pretty Thing. And Opal by Sid Barrett. And I'm not sure if we'll get to this one, but um, fourth we have We Took the Wrong Step Years Ago by Hawkwind. All right. Uh, this Passport playlist. Keep it locked. And thank you so much for tuning in today. We hope you enjoyed.